24-hour worship um, every day, every hour of the day. They had, 20, I think, 24 different teams, and they'd rotate, and they would just continually worship. Say, so why would they do something like that? Because that's what heaven looks like. Hallelujah. This fall, we're going to be doing 24-hour worship here for seven days during, uh, during Tabernacles again. It's going to be awesome. Let's look, at, let's look at Asaph's complaint. How many know there's a lot of complaints in the Psalms? So if, if you want to complain, that's fine. But complain to God, not me. No, I'm, Psalm 77 and, and verse 1 begins, begins his. And he says, I poured out my complaint to you, God. I lifted up my voice, shouting out for your help. When I was in deep distress in my day of trouble, I reached out for you with hands outstretched uh, stretched out to heaven. Over and over, I kept looking for you, God, but your comforting grace was nowhere to be found. Can anyone identify? Come on, be honest. As I thought of you, I moaned, God, where are you? I'm overwhelmed with despair as I wait for your help to arrive, Selah. I can't get a wink of sleep until you come and comfort me. Now I'm too burdened to even pray. My mind wandered, thinking of days gone by, the years long since past. How many times do we just dwell on? Then I remembered the worship songs I used to sing in the night seasons. And my heart began to fill again with thoughts of you. So my spirit went out once more in search of you. It's all about hide and seek. Some of us hide, some of us seek. What do you do when you're in trouble? What do you do when you need something? Do, do you, you know, it's amazing how people will just drop out of church or mad at God or they're too depressed or I don't know what their problem is. Amen. So don't hide. Seek. Seek, and he shall be found. So Asaph then in, in verse 11, he begins, he, he shows us the solution. This is the key, okay? I want you to catch this. He says in verse 11, I will remember. Say remember. I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember your wonders of old. Your memory of what God has done in the past will bless you in the present. I will also meditate on all your work. I, I, I'm going to testify. I'm going to talk of all your deeds. Your way, O oh God, is in the sanctuary. i got to read that again. Your way, O oh God, is in the... Who is so great a God as our God? Oh, there's a key. There's a key to reversing the curse. It's in the sanctuary. Now, I, I, I want to emphasize, you know, Sunday morning, being in here is a key. But, but you are a sanctuary as well. So, so understand that as I talk about it. But, but this morning, I want to especially emphasize, because there seems to be a movement going on in the church world today that kind of says, I'm spiritual, but I don't need church. But yet, yet the scriptures say that the answer is in the sanctuary. 
it's not necessarily hugging trees. It's not, it's not sleeping in or worshiping at St. Mattress. Well, that's my only day to sleep in. Go home and take a nap after church. How many take naps on Sunday afternoon? Oh, what a sabbatical. What a Sabbath that is. Amen. Come on now. The key to reverse the curse is in the sanctuary. Amen. And I believe, Hebrews 10, 25, that more than ever before, more than ever before, we need to commit ourselves to being in the sanctuary every Sunday morning. It's even hit our church. It's, it's not about people leaving. It's about people only coming a couple times each month. How many know that would affect? If, if everyone just starts coming twice a month, does that not half the attendance? Everyone see what I'm saying? It's time to recommit to the sanctuary, especially as pressures increase especially as there's more demands on our time, especially when the world schedules all kinds of stuff, even for kids on Sunday morning. It's time to put our foot down and say, this is the Lord's day. This is my day to rest. It's both, right? Don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together. As the manner of some, I guess Paul had the same problem but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. There's just, you know, you can worship at home. You can pray at home. I understand all that. You could take a day off and just be at home and be with God, but there's something about encouraging one another. There's something about receiving the word of God. It's something about gathering around the fire of Pentecost and singing the songs of Zion. There's just something about hearing the word in a certain way that encourages you, changes your life, challenges you. You walk out of here different, amen. There's just something about stopping everything you were doing this week and say, stop, this is my time with him Oh, come on, give him a praise. The Lord's dealing with me. In fact, the next series, next Sunday, it might start, might because I haven't got the green light. But I'm, 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 I'm impressed at some point to preach about the power. It's going to be called the power of doing nothing. Because Sabbath means stop. It doesn't even mean rest. It just means stop. You, you work yourself to death six days, and then you stop. Oh. But society is pressuring us. You've heard the term 24-7. I want you to change that. I don't want you to say that anymore. I want you to say my life is 24-6. You'll get it about three this afternoon. Your life needs to be 24-6, not 24-7. I read something yesterday. I want you, I want you to hear this. You'll hear it again if I preach this series. But you've got to hear things six times before you get it, right? <laughs> 
But <laughs> we are, this is an amazing thought, we are literally the first generation in the history of mankind to go 24-7. It's never been done in history. I know, I know there are certain people, slaves or whatever, maybe they made them work seven days a week. But for the most part, as far as official, okay, it, it all started with my generation. I'm old enough to remember when stores were closed on Sunday. And we're going we're gonna to talk about stores like, like uh, um, um, Hobby Lobby and, uh, and uh, yeah, Christian Chicken. Amen. We, I love Christian Chicken. It's coming to Mansfield. Come on, come on, saints pray. <laughs> well, and I'm going to give you some of the statistics. It's going to blow your mind because they, they closed down on Sunday. But they're doing better than the ones that are open seven days a week. God's blessing and honoring this. And I'm telling you, if you'll just shut down one day a week, maybe you absolutely can't do it on Sunday, but you, you've got to have one day, and you need to stop, and you need to shut down. You were made that way, and when you violate that, it's a law of nature, really. When you violate that, it will catch up to you. It's time to make a commitment. I'm going to be in church every Sunday. The key is in the sanctuary. It's in the gathering. It's in the coming together. It's in the stopping everything I've been doing for six days and just pray and play. Pray and play. Pray because it's God's day. Play because it's your day. Are you getting what I'm saying? There's an interesting story in 2 Kings chapter 11, and uh, it's, it's really a complicated story, and if you want to, you have to go into the previous chapter, and you've got to read all this stuff. But it, it says, when Athaliah, the mother of Ahaziah, I got it, saw that her, that her son was dead, she, that, you know, they killed, let me, let me back up. So you, you all remember uh, Ahab and Jezebel. Y'all know Sister Jessie? Okay, Sister Jess Jezebel. And who killed them? Jehu. Jehu was anointed by Elisha, and he gets rid of Ahab and Jezebel. Whew, hallelujah. You know Ahab had 70 sons? Poor wife. No, I think he had more than one. <laughs> Let's hope he had more than one. I don't... And, and all the sons are dead. And, and Ahaziah is now king, but uh, he gets killed. His mother is Athaliah, uh, and uh, so the story's about her. And I watch, watch this now, because Ahaziah gets killed too, so Athaliah's left his mother. She saw that her, that her son was dead. She arose and destroyed, destroyed, killed all the royal heirs. Anyone else that would challenge the throne, she killed. She killed him. Why would she do that? So she could be in charge. And, and, and Jehoshaphat, the, the, the daughter of King Joram, king, a sister of Ahaziah, took Joash, the son of Amaziah, and stole him away from among the king's sons who were being murdered. And whew, 
she hid them, him and his nurse in the bedroom from Athaliah so that he was not killed. For he was hidden with her in the house of the Lord for six years while Athaliah reigned over the land. She hid him in the sanctuary. And when she hid him, and remember, the sanctuary is not some cave in the wilderness. It's in the, it's in the center of Jerusalem, right under their noses. But there's a secret place in the sanctuary where she could hide him for six years. I'm telling you, the, the prince of the power of the air likes to think he's ruling. Likes to think he's in charge of your life. Come on. And, and here's what the enemy's trying to do. Here's what uh, uh, Athaliah, the, uh, how many got an Athaliah in your life trying to kill you, trying to do you in, trying to hold you back, trying to give you trouble, trying to persecute you, messing with your mind, messing with your money, messing with, with your, your life. Anybody got one messing with you? Call glory to God. So she's trying, she's, she's killing all the heirs, but the true heir, the one heir, is hid in the sanctuary of the Lord. So here's a few points what the devil's after. The devil's after your inheritance. You're an heir to the king. You're a child of the king. Come on, church. Amen. You're not a nobody. You're a child of the king. You're not a loser. You're a child of the king. You're an heir to the throne. That's why the devil doesn't like you. And it doesn't matter, you know, what your calling is. You may think, well, I'm not called a preacher. I'm not this or I'm not that. Quit talking about what you're not and start claiming what you are. I'm a child of the king. If you've been saved three seconds, you're a child of the king. But the devil wants to kill you to keep you from your inheritance. Your destiny and purpose. Let me tell you something else about old Athaliah. She wants to kill everyone that looks like the king. Four people got it. I said, he wants to kill. The reason he wants to kill you is because if you're saved, you're starting to look like the king. <laughs> he doesn't really care if you just show up at church once in a while, but it bothers the devil when you start looking like Jesus, when you start acting like a Christian, when those young people go back into school and make a stand for Christ. Don't let the world fool you. You can be a Christian at work. You can be a Christian where at school. You can be a Christian in the marketplace. Don't let them intimidate you. Don't get it. Don't be ugly. But stand as a child of the king. I know we're living in Babylon. <laughs> this isn't Mayberry anymore. I read a statistic the other day. Guess the city that they modeled Mayberry after? I can't remember the name of it right now. Mount Airy. That town, that little country town where Barney was. That town now has the greatest percentage of crime in the whole state of North Carolina. We don't live in Mayberry anymore. 
Crime has come to rural city, rural towns. Crime is ever crime is increasing everywhere we go. Anywhere people are gathered, there's drugs and opioids and problems in little communities like Mount Airy. I'm here to tell you, Amen. But when we stand in the name of the Lord and start acting like Jesus and, and not, stop being angry at the world and fussing at the world, Amen. One of, the th- one of the worst things you can do is, is say, uh, is, is being, uh, is being uh, uh, either a Republican or a Democrat more important than being a Christian. Listen, listen, I- I'm serious. Don't let the Republican Party identify you, uh, uh, tell you how a Christian should act. No, we need to tell the Republicans and the Democrats how a Christian needs to act. We're Christians first. I don't care how you vote, but be a Christian. It's amazing how how religion has become Americanized. And now we fuss and feud just like the politicians instead of just loving this world. Oh, Jesus, help us. Her goal, his goal is to cut off your inheritance, and he's trying to kill anyone that looks like him. But I got a word for you. You're hid in the sanctuary. He can't find you in the sanctuary. And at the age of six, he comes out of the sanctuary and becomes king at age six. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Are you hearing what I'm saying? Psalms, let me give you some words. Psalms 27, verse 5 and 6. He says, in his shelter, say shelter, in the day of trouble, that's where you'll find me, for he hides me there in his holiness. He has smuggled me into his secret place where I'm kept safe and secure, out of reach from all my enemies, triumphant now. I'll bring him my offerings of praise, singing and shouting with ecstatic joy. Yes, listen, and you can hear the fanfare of my shouts of praise to the Lord. I'm in the sanctuary. I'm hidden there, and I'm kicking up a storm. Loving my Lord. The sanctuary is the key to reversing the curse. It's time we put God's day first. Matthew 16, verse 18 and 19. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. By rock, he doesn't mean Peter. He means the revelation of who Jesus is. In other words, on this revelation, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. By the way, by the way, that, that doesn't mean that you can hold against the gates. Has anyone ever, has anyone ever had a gate attack you? Now, some of you may have had a bad day and a gate knocked you out. I don't know. But gates do not attack. Gates prevent you from attacking. But here's a word. The gates of hell won't prevent. In other words, you can go into hell, amen, kick open the gate, go into hell, and take what belongs to you, amen, and then go back to the sanctuary safe and hidden. I like during the Middle Ages, if you were a thief, I don't care what crime, if you can get to a church. I'm so glad that's not true now. If you can get to a church in the Middle Ages, you claim sanctuary. 
And the law can't touch you and the king can't. can't. Of course, if you ever leave the church. <laughs> so they'd have all kinds of criminals living in the. <laughs> Lord, I was that smart. I don't know. But, but isn't, it, isn't it amazing that God is giving us sanctuary? Those criminals didn't deserve it, but they got it anyway. You may not deserve sanctuary, but God's going to give you sanctuary anyway. Amen. You may not have earned sanctuary, but you get sanctuary. All you have to do is claim sanctuary. When the devil comes in like a flood, say, sanctuary. I claim sanctuary. The devil, there's a bloodline around the sanctuary, and no evil spirit can cross that line. There's a place hidden in God where no devil can touch you, amen. No lie can control you. Nobody can manipulate you. Let's get to the sanctuary, and let's get to the secret hidden place in God. Give him praise, amen. Verse 19, and, and I will give you the what? The keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. When you come into the secret place, into the hidden place, into God's pavilion, the hiding place, he said, I'm going to give you a key. I'm going to give you a key. I'm going to give you the keys. When you come into the sanctuary, it's not just a hiding place where you do nothing. It's a place where you come out of, as it were, with the keys. It's the key to reversing the curse. And the key was given not not just to individuals. The key was given to the church. Whatever the church binds. Whatever the church releases. He's given us powerful keys to reverse the curse in your life. Look at, uh, is it Revelation, the next scripture? We would talk about this key. He said, write the following to the messenger of the congregation in Philadelphia. For these are the solemn words of the Holy One, the true one, who has David's key, who opens doors that none can shut, and who closes doors that none can open. I know all that you've done. Now, I've set before you a wide open door that none can shut. For I know that you possess only a little power. How many got at least a little power? (laughs) Yet you've kept my word and haven't denied my name. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Watch how I deal with those of the synagogue. How many know the devil has a church? Not much safety there. Synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews but are not, but they're lying. How many know he's a lying spirit? I will make them come and bow down at your feet and acknowledge how much I've loved you. Wow. Because you've passionately kept my message of perseverance, I will also keep you from the hour of proving that is coming to test every person on earth. Wow. But I come swift, swiftly. So cling, cling tightly to what you have so that no one may seize your crown of victory. Come on, the secret's in the sanctuary. For, for the one who is victorious, I will make you to be a pillar where? I'm going to make you a pillar in the place I hide you. Oh, I will write on you the name of my God 
And the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, descending from my God out of heaven, and I'll write my own name on you. That'll scare the devil. So the one whose heart is open, let him listen carefully to what the Spirit is now saying to all the churches. The key is in the house of the Lord. The key of David is the key of worship. Remember this scripture in Acts chapter 15, verse 16, quoting from the Old Testament, the book of Joel. After this, I will return and will rebuild what? The tabernacle of David, which has fallen down. I will rebuild its ruins. I will set it up. I'm going to set up my church. I'm going to set up 24-hour worship. I'm going to have my people uh, as safe and sound in the sanctuary of the Lord. I'm going to rebuild it. I'm going to set it up in the last days. Church, we are evidence of that scripture. But we have to start keeping the fourth commandment. That is a commandment. And it's the only one that says you need to remember something. Because we forget it really quick. God, help us. We've come to the time where we only come to church if, that's, if we have nothing else to do. If we have anything else, that becomes more important. Hello? I'm not talking to you as a pastor who wants the seats full. I'm talking to you as a prophetic voice that it's time to quit 24-7, and it's time to go to 24-6, and it, Oh, I feel the Lord in this place. And you wonder why you're so tired. You wonder why you feel so stressed. It's not even 24-7 anymore. It's more like 48-7 because we multitask. We don't just work eight hours. While we're working, we're doing other stuff. Some of us come to church and while we're sitting in here, if the, if the sermon gets boring, we get on phone. And we start working on the phone. And you try to make your neighbor believe that you're looking up the scriptures. And really, you're just trying to see how many likes you got on your last post. I only got three likes. Nobody loves me. Jesus loves you. He likes you every hour. We're, we're multitasking. We're doing two or three things at the same time. Even when we're home, we're working. Technology was supposed to be a blessing. It's not. It's not. We're literally connected to the whole world, and I don't like it. It has advantages, but it has a lot of disadvantages. And now we've lost the priority of the sanctuary of God, and we wonder why we're dealing with so many curses in our lives. It's because we've not learned how to rest. Can I say this again? I want you to get this. We're the first generation in the history of mankind that has gone 24-7. Adam never talked about 24-7. 
The Roman Empire never, never talked about 24-7. We go on through history. Just until the, the 60s and 70s, all of a sudden we're 24-7. Some of us literally can't shut off our phones. We literally can't. We can't pray 30 minutes because we got to check every little beep. Oh, there's a text. Oh, there's a Facebook. Oh, there's a, an email. Someone's calling me. Someone left a message. That's yeah, quiet in this house. Your help is in the sanctuary. The key is in the sanctuary. The key is not in multitasking and working 24-7. The key is not working so hard so you can retire someday. The key is not there. The key is in the sanctuary. That's your hiding place. That's where you can come through the door and be at rest and be at peace. Come on. Come on. Aren't you glad this is a peaceful church? There are people that come to our church and say, I, I, I quit going to my church because I felt worse leaving than coming. I'm glad I'm not a part of a church that I feel worse when I leave than when I come. Take the sanctuary with you, and you can be hid, hid in him every day, every hour, every minute. The devil can screech and scream and call your name and he's like, I can't even find him. Because we're hid in the sanctuary of the Lord. Oh God, restore our love. David said, I was glad when they said, let us go to the house of the Lord. As they prayed over me this morning, I felt the heaviness. During worship, I felt a heaviness. Just, you know, laughing and talking with people and shaking hands, I felt a heaviness come over this place. There's healing here. There's healing here. There's healing here. But he wants you to understand that there's, there's a key here. Worship team, come on. There's, there's, a, there's a key, and it's in the sanctuary. There's relief here, and there's, there's a hiding place here. And I know you take it with you, and that hiding place can be in your, it could be, it could just go with you 24 hours a day. But there's just something about God's people coming together. He didn't leave us a tree to hug. He left us a church to attend. He left us a church. And, and by the way, the church isn't perfect. How many know your family's not perfect? But that's your family. You don't come to church because we're perfect. You come to church because we're all striving for perfection. You come to church because this is God's house. And we're here for each other. It's more than a hug and love. It's prayer it's worshiping together. It's about something powerful happening when people come together and agree. And the Holy Ghost falls. The key 
to reversing the curse is in the sanctuary.